Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Board YouTube channel for our Thursday afternoon show with myself, Jacob, and my co-host here, Kirk Evans, where we go through some weekly NBA takeaways, talk about the biggest stories going on around the league, and we end off with some free picks coming from Kirk Evans as well. Today on the menu, we're talking about the OG and Anobi trade, which also had Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett going to the Raptors. What opinions on that trade overall because we've been off for a week here and also what the trade looks like just a couple of weeks later we're going to preview tonight's matchup between the Boston Celtics and Milwaukee Bucks and talk about perhaps the playoff implications that these matchups could have and then we're going to go through possibilities of some trades in the NBA who could be next after the Knicks the big deal which we are going to lead off with here but before we get started smash that like button support the channel help drive YouTube channel for more NBA content. Did I cut out there or are we are we still good? Still good, but I think you cut out for like a second there. Okay. So anyways, show your support to the channel. Join the discussion by getting involved with the chat, but uh, let's get into it here. So first things first, we have the OG trade. We'll go over to Kirk Evans here. We missed last week's show, so we didn't get the initial reaction. I actually haven't seen it since, uh, since, last, since 2023. So happy new year to you. Hopefully you did have a good new year. But uh, this OG trade was a bit of a surprise right before the turn on the calendar. What were the initial thoughts of this trade? Yeah, so my initial thoughts were really good trade for the Raptors. I was worried that RJ was going to maybe be a bit too much of a Toronto favorite in terms of fr like the front office and the coaching staff. I tweeted about it that RJ's dad is head of a... Uh, Canada basketball. Mm -hmm. So I had a little bit of concern with RJ coming in. And then my initial thoughts were why the hell are the Knicks making this trade? Which now I don't quite think as much because it seems like the Knicks were going to be trading quickly no matter what. So it makes some sense that, you know, they had to kind of trade him for less value than, you know, what he was actually worth. Yeah. But the Raptors, we've talked about a million times, backed themselves into a corner, kind of put themselves into a terrible spot. But they came out of this pretty damn clean. This is a good trade. Quickly is a great asset. And RJ's been awesome so far. Yeah. So my initial reaction to trade was just like, <laughs> even beyond considering the fact OG's on an expiring contract, like what a terrific haul to get out of this. Emmanuel quickly is is such a great fit with the Raptors right now and long term. We're seeing the immediate impact they have on the offense now. Defense aside, that's been very poor, but we're seeing how much this is impacting the Raptors' offense. They have been one of the best offense in the league in this recent stretch. They need to keep it away from their own basket, but quickly looks great. RJ Barrett has had a phenomenal start to life in a Raptors uniform, and not to mention the draft compensation involved as well. It's a Detroit Pistons 2024 second round pick. That is almost as good as a first-round pick. I mean, you see like these, like a Pistons second-round pick is almost as valuable as if you're getting like a Milwaukee Bucks first-round pick. Like it's within the same sort of range. So for the Raptors to come out of this OG situation, back down in the corner and come out, I think on top, that is very, very impressive. Uh, from the Knicks perspective, I mean, I see why they wanted to do it. There has to be some sort of handshake behind the scenes about OG staying with the team beyond this season or else there's no way they would have made this trade. And so far, so good. I have it on the graphic here, but for audio 
listeners here. The Knicks are 5-0 and since the trade happened. OG is plus 111 in 167 minutes since the trade. This is just ridiculous, the impact OG is having on this team. Though, I still question whether OG makes this team a legitimate contender. I'm not sure. Like, they're probably between four and six in the East power rankings. After this trade, they're probably between four and six in the East power rankings. How do you feel about the Knicks and this season outlook as far as this trade is concerned? Yeah, so I actually think in kind of the the narrative surrounding the NBA, even amongst smart people, OG has kind of been thought to have gotten a bit overrated. That's kind of the narrative I've heard, you know, is OG actually this good? I've never bought into that theory. I actually do think OG is awesome. And I think he's underrated to me, if anything, I I totally, I completely agree. I think the fact that he was a Raptor was, it was just a terrible spot for him. It's like, he's an okay offensive player, but really everything he does is to be a high end defensive player. It's by far his best ability, but pretty much he gets better on as much. Like if he's on the best team in the league, he gets way better. If he's on the worst team in the league, he gets way worse. He's not that helpful. To If you put him on the Pistons right now, he would help, but not that much. If you put him on whatever, Boston right now would be completely ridiculous. So it's not shocking to me that he's been really good in New York um, and their defense has been amazing with him. Tibbs is going to play him 70 minutes a game and really wear him out. So the the fit makes sense. It's just a bit tough for the Knicks because you make a trade, you trade a a pretty premium pick that I was going to mention the exact same thing. That Detroit pick is uh, definitely valuable, like should be that's valued the, as that's like a late the first 31st, pick. A 31st overall pick, maybe 32nd. Yeah, so uh, uh, essentially should be valued as a, as a very late first round pick. You trade a younger player in the in quickly who has more, you know, upside than OG. So a bit weird to, you know, kind of trade future and maybe not necessarily get better now, but doesn't really reflect how I feel about OG, who I think is just a a superb player who really hasn't gotten a chance in the playoffs other than that one bubble run with Toronto. And he is just perfect for the modern NBA. I also tweeted this when the trade happened. If they play uh, Philly or they probably won't, but Denver, OG will cover Joel and Jokic a lot. He's so strong. And that's also just a reason I think OG is so good is he matches up with the best players in the league. That's who he's best at covering. He's not like the most fleet of foot. He, He can move side to side. He can cover, you know, good guards. But he's much better against, you know, Kawhi, LeBron's type types like that who maybe won't blow by him but work with a lot of strength. He's like the strongest defensive wing player in the league, I would say. So he just those upper level wings who everyone needs a guy to stop. OG's like the best in the league at stopping that, yeah. in my opinion. Agreed. And, and you mentioned like the maybe not the the quickest lateral quickness wise, but what OG is excellent at, which makes him such a good defender. He never fully commits to Never. a specific direction. So if a player takes him one way, yes, he's going to go, but he's still going to be able to move any which way on the drop of a dime. As soon as the player pulls back, he's going to be right there with him. He never fully just commits. Like maybe it was a couple times this season, but like when you see him, 
like jump on a pump fake, you go, wow, that like he never does that. It's such a strange occurrence for him. So I uh, I also like that he's getting some respect here. We have uh, 905 Yada comments saying, happy that OG's finally getting respect he deserves. Uh, he had Madison Square Garden chanting his name. So as a Raptors fan who loves OG, I think that's great. Um, the totally trade has made sense when the trade happened. Obviously, a lot of emotions go on, but I was kind of like, okay, I like this trade. And if RJ Barrett comes out of it as a positive piece in this deal, um, I think you may have mentioned on Twitter that this could go down as RJ being a bit of a negative piece in the trade. Um, I know it's only six games, but are you starting to maybe see a little bit of light for RJ and his career trajectory? Yeah, the thing, the tough part about RJ is he's essentially the exact opposite of what I just said about OG. He's a, a <laughs> floor raiser, uh, ceiling decreaser. I don't know what the right term would be. Right. There. He's just he's not mean. a ceiling player. He's a floor player. He can score, and you watch him, and, and it's good. He, he he has one really good NBA talent, and that's getting to the rim. You watch him, the guy can get to the rim, and he's got a good feel on offense, but he can't really shoot, and he's not really that good of a rim finisher. He's kind of a strong, straight-line driver who's not much of a passer and not much of a defender. So he might be fine for the Raptors. He'll be good for us this year. And and even at the time of the trade, I, I, right away I said the Raptors got much better, and, and I think that's just absolutely true now looking back. Because RJ's like replacing, if you want to say OG for quickly is the replacement, then RJ's replacing precious and our bench goes from like all power forward all like four slash fives and trent and schroeder to like now everyone kind of just gets pushed back one rung yeah and our bench units make sense our starting unit makes sense we have shooting in every lineup so we just really make a lot more sense but it's hard for me to envision rj barrett being a starter on a high level playoff team. I think his kind of upside is being a bench player on on a high level playoff team or, you know, a good scorer on a crappy team. But the problem with that is guys who can score in the NBA get paid and he's already gotten paid. So I, I don't really ever think he's going to be a solid a- a asset unless he really becomes a plus three point shooter. I do want to talk about quickly though. Yeah. Because I, I do love quickly and, and watching the Raptors. Well, I, hey, can we, let me just one more thing on Barrett before we go it. to quickly here. I do what you said, a bench player. I think that's a little bit underselling him. Like I think as a six man where second unit, like, like we're seeing in the, this stretch of games here, like the Raptors maybe don't have the best unit out there. He takes a lot of pressure off the team by his ability just to get to the rim on his own. So I, uh, I kind of agree in that vein, but promising star but yes on Emmanuel yeah, or, or or like a you know a spot starter who plays like 22 minutes who leads bench units like I think yes, his yes. clear skill is he can raise the floor of a bad offensive group so like agreed if in the playoffs you have RJ Barrett and you can put him on playoff lineups he won't kill you defensively and he'll get you some buckets that will just raise your offensive rating just enough that you're probably passable the problem with that is he's, he's making what, like 25, 30 million a year. 27. So, yeah. 27. So it's just, he's just not that type of player that we just described isn't a $27 million yeah. a year player. But he's been great. He's been great not, as a Raptor. It's not a crippling contract. And on top of the floor raising stuff, you say he has it within him to have just a monster game 
And like, honestly, for a playoff series, like if you're in a big playoff series and RJ wins you one game, that's more than enough to say, like to, to see his value, um, in for my sure. opinion. Um, so that contract's not crippling to me. Uh, no, Emmanuel not, not crippling. And, and I think like if, if you offered Detroit right now, RJ Barrett for salary they filler, they would yes. take it. You know, yes. they want to win a few games. Uh, but yes, let's go back to Emmanuel quickly here. You were leading off, so please continue. Yeah, so quickly, I think he's been good. And and watching him, I've really enjoyed. Like, he is so engaged defensively always. He's a smaller player, but even, like, coaches at every level will say, like, always keep your hands up, always keep your arms up. You know, as a weak side defender, he's creeping in always. He's super engaged. It's been awesome to watch. But I think the real high upside of this trade is was the theory is quickly has been a bench player and they've never kind of given him the keys to the offense. And I would say I'm a bit more down on that than at the exact time of the trade. We don't really run any pick and rolls with him and he doesn't really get to the rim much. He, he kind of gets the floater range. He doesn't love getting downhill. Like it's just a bit hard to see him being like a true traditional point guard that you can give the ball to and say like go get us a bucket or go find someone even his passing has looked fine but very rarely am i watching quickly and thinking oh yeah that was a real high level you know a pass that created a bucket rather than just like a pass that was there for a bucket so obviously it's been six games you can't say that's just completely out of the possibility but I, it's maybe less likely than it was when that trade got made. Like, I think he could be, he's a really good offensive player already and he can hit threes, but for him to hit that kind of a one level, his top upside, he needs to be more of an on ball guy. And, and it just hasn't quite been there. Sorry, I muted there. I think that's yeah. fair, but I'll, I'll push back a little and say Pirtle's been out the last two games when Pirtle has played, they're starting to develop that chemistry. Um, it's it's going to be a work in process here. But, like, he's a guy who's had, like, a relatively diminished role, I think, relative to his talents in the last two years. He's been playing as a shooting guard. He's been playing next to Jalen Brunson a lot. That's, like, the reason he got traded. They didn't want to do the two-guard system anymore. So I think it's fair to have these sort of concerns. But I think as he continues, he's 24, as he continues to get reps in this sort of role, which he hasn't done for a long time, can these things start to come? I kind of worry about him as a passer, like making like a real, like, like, you know, he can kick out to an open player, but is his pass going to make that assist? As you said, is it, is that pass going to unlock a bucket that nobody else would have get? That's maybe where there can be a bit of concerns, but I guess the silver lining on the Raptors side of things that they have, Scotty Barnes, who can be a, a big presence as a ball handler. Uh, he played point guard in college, as we all know. R.J. Barrett actually also played point guard when he was at Duke. So other guys can share that workload offensively. But I think that the fit with Barnes and quickly is is very, very good. And it seems Masai is very high on this partnership as well. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's just the question is, I think clearly Quickly's good. Scotty's having a great year. We're, we're even now and kind of have always been a pretty good team. Like even a record doesn't show it. Like we've never really been priced in the market as like, you know, uh, a 40% uh, win team. We've always kind of even been priced 
as a 500 team, maybe a little bit above 500 team, even pre-trade. And, and now we're, our prices have clearly came up. The market clearly agrees. We're a better team. My concern with quickly or just the team in general is past Scotty, where do we go to get, you know, a real high upside shot where we can start being, you know, even uh, a four seed in the East. It's kind of hard to see where that path is coming from. And Quickly's upside was one of those paths and still is. But just watching him these games with the Raptors, it's it's hasn't been as clear to me the path for Quickly to become, you know, an all-star level player. Even though I think he's really good as a okay. player. I think, I think that's fair enough. Um, on the Raptors front, you said they have gotten better. Uh, question here from Joe in chat asking about the Raptors to participate in the play-in at plus 100. Um, I don't know if that's the best price, but that's the question here. Any thoughts about the Raptors right now? They're they're right inside the play-in tournament positions, they, and they seem to be on the up. They, I would say that's the likeliest outcome, but what do you think at plus 100? That doesn't seem like a bet to me. Pretty hard to see the path to getting to, to eight or seven. So... You know, we're already, I'm just trying to do the live math here. We're six and a half games back of Orlando. We're probably not going to catch Orlando. No, this is playing. Um, this is playing. No, I know. I know. I know. I'm just doing doing the rough math in the head. Okay. In my head. okay. So we're not going to catch Orlando. Oh, we're not going to catch six. Yes. Let's just put put that. No, sorry. That's eight. Orlando's an eight. Damn, Orlando fell off. <laughs> no, dude. Every team, eight to four in the in the East, all has that's the exact true. same record. So probably, okay, so we'll be so it'll be tough to catch eight. Group, so they're sitting at nine unless, or ten unless the Pacers maybe fall like, off. Yeah. Um, and then Chicago, Brooklyn, Atlanta, Toronto. You know, we're probably the the most likely to trade. It's tough because Dejounte and Levine are also possibly um, gonna get traded, but right. we're really very possibly going to trade Pascal and it just does not feel like we're going to get anything that will help us this season back. So I do think if I was pricing a game right now, the Raptors are better than Chicago and we're better than Brooklyn and we're better than Atlanta, but we already have a slight disadvantage here. And we're, we're probably the team that I could see most likely trading a player for very little back. It's close. I don't think it's necessarily a bad bet. And even no Pascal, we're pretty good. But it's not a bet I'm running to make. I, I was going to say, uh, that price probably improves if the Raptors trade Siakam. And it's looking like they will trade Siakam. So, I guess, and also, like, evaluate the upcoming schedule here. They play the Jazz at the end of their road trip. The Jazz are on fire right now. That's a tough game. They come home from Shout the road the trip. the Jazz, man. Holy. Yeah, they Best come the back. League. They come back. Well, hang on. Before the Jazz here, but they come so back from the road trip and get Boston and Miami, two other tough games. So, kind of looking at the schedule, I feel like a better price will come into play before if you really want to bet that. But yeah, the Jazz have looked. We don't have a full segment dedicated yet. They, they've won nine of their last eleven. What is going on? You know what's funny is that if teams, there's teams who like the Warriors. If they wanted to trade for somebody. Like, like from the Jazz, the Jazz want to be a selling team. The Warriors want to be buying team, a buying team. The Warriors are, are lower than the Jazz in the standings. Man, the Jazz last three games, Philly fair, no, no, no Embiid, but blew the doors off of them. Yep. Bucks, no Lillard, Smacked but them. still destroyed them. Wasn't even yeah. close. 
Denver in Utah this time, seven point dogs, six and a half point dogs. The games aren't even close. There's a 25 close. point game at one point. It's like they're up 10 in the first five minutes and never relinquish the lead. They're just dominating the whole time. Shout out the Jazz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's go to one of the teams that was involved. So, so right before that three game win streak, the, the Celtics absolutely smashed the Jazz. But then the Jazz later on smashed the Bucks. Well, the Celtics and Bucks are facing off tonight in the NBA. And this could be a little bit of an Eastern Conference Finals preview. Um, Boston Celtics against the Bucks. You wanted to preview this matchup. Anything you want to to lead off with as far as this one is concerned? Yeah, I think it's interesting to see the, the obvious question is what Boston decides to do covering Giannis. Uh, someone who I respect, a good, uh, a good person in the industry, said they actually expect O'Shea Brissett to start tonight. I think that's Thanks. pretty unlikely. If I'm being yeah. honest, because like, who is he going to start over? What they're going to move Derek White to the bench? I I guess, yeah, but I don't. I don't see it. Like, they're this is the best starting lineup in the league. I kind of doubt that they're going to play with it. But no Al Horford on the second half of a back to back, who's kind of traditionally been the Giannis defensive player. KP, I love KP. Not really a. a, a Giannis defender so maybe Jalen Brown gets that assignment that's going to be tough um but I think that's the most interesting question off the bat but I think or honestly maybe it's just drill wouldn't shock me so we we talked about this this morning and uh that that was our kind of sentiment Drew will guard him and then as he gets towards the paint they collapse yeah no, it'll be interesting to see, but this is just going to be an awesome game. I, everyone knows I absolutely love the Celtics. I still think they're underrated. I pretty much bet on them every game, honestly, including today. <laughs> um, they're just so good. They're just so good. And I'm excited to see. I just, you know, they go, if you just look at these team starters, it's like, how are the Bucks going to beat this team in a series? Like, the Bucks are starting... Malik Beasley, you know, the Brooks obviously good. Middleton still only really playing 30 minutes. Like every one of the Celtics starters is, is near all-star level player. Yeah. Uh the the Bucks are gonna have to trade, not trade Malik Beasley, but they're gonna have to find somebody better. Like somebody like KCP. They need somebody who they can actually play on defense late game who can still shoot. Now that player yeah, is who? extremely valuable these yeah. days. But I Malik Beasley ain't gonna cut it going forward. Uh, if they want, if they want to win a championship, I don't think at least. Totally, agree. especially when yeah, you run and, into this and, Celtics team. Yeah, and Pat Connaughton's not gonna cut it either. No. Uh, yeah, but I agreed. Yeah, I think this is gonna be a really just an awesome game. They played once. This is Drew's first game back in Milwaukee, though. Um, it's true. I think it's likely gonna be an Eastern Conference Finals preview i think there are some teams who could beat milwaukee for sure i'm still not i think the general consensus is just milwaukee's not nearly as good as their record which now they have actually lost a bunch of games and the vibes are pretty weird around milwaukee like Giannis said that their cleaning guy needs to clean their jerseys better um so i think this is honestly a big a big test for both teams i think both teams really want to win this game i think it's gonna be a super high intensity game um like last night, Boston opened at some like absolutely ludicrous number. 
And I had all the confidence in the world that every player on Boston was going to suit up tonight. They, they, this is a game Boston really cares about. The narrative around Boston, which has been true, is that they struggle in these high leverage situations and these high leverage games. And I think they are pretty determined to, to change that narrative pre-playoffs, at least like inner belief. And I think Milwaukee's really been struggling. They just got blown out by Utah. And I think they know that Boston's kind of the measuring stick in the league right now. So for a, a random, not a random game, but for a game in January, I think this is going to be a super high intensity game. Yeah, I mean, the Celtics, this is a big game for, for seeding. The Celtics are starting to pull away. They're four games up on the Bucks. The Bucks are kind of in the mix with the Sixers still, like not far behind the Knicks, the Cavs, the Pacers. Um, even like the Heat Magic are only four games behind them in the East. So yeah, every win is important here. Statement is probably important here as well. And probably a good indication for coaches because you said, like you said, this could be an Eastern Conference Finals matchup. They want to see strategy-wise what might work in this one, what might not work in this one. So this is an extremely interesting matchup here. And like a lot of times you take what you learn from these matchups into those playoff series. Uh, I was going to ask what you think a playoff series would go down as between these teams, but you kind of alluded to it. And I kind of agree. How is this Bucks team going to beat this Celtics team in 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 seven four times out of seven? Like I think the Celtics could lose a player to injury and still have the better team uh, if yeah. uh, if the Bucks don't make any moves. Like the Celtics are just ab- an absolute juggernaut. Like the roster construction here is just unbelievable. And even like the lower end of their rotation, they're still getting some some great output on a game to game basis. Like. The way like Hauser has played this season, Peyton Pritchard has played well off the bench. Like when they have to go to Cornette, Cornette isn't out of place on an NBA floor. It seems so. They're just getting value out of everybody here, and yeah. the top end of the well, roster I th- is so I think Cornette, elite. I think Cornette's a guy they probably don't want to play in the playoffs, but I do. I think Agreed. Hauser and Pritchard pretty easily can be in a playoff rotation. They're not um, necessarily traditional playoff players, but. As bench guys, you could get them in, you know, sneak them in when it's not. Uh, they can get 10 minutes out of them. And like, how's will get a couple threes? <laughs> and also something that hasn't really been talked about. Boston's in a better tr- place to make a trade than Milwaukee is. Milwaukee yeah. is barren on assets. They don't have matching salary. Boston can make a trade and has picks to make a trade. Wouldn't shock me if they added another guy to their bench. So, yeah, I think I mentioned on the show two weeks ago, I was playing a lot of Celtics plus, uh, I think it was plus 350 in the market. I think the price has come down, still not down to, to where I think is fair. I, I would still probably be betting some on the Celtics to win the championship. I just don't think that any team really is close. And I think they're one of the few teams ever that that could suffer an injury to their second best player and still be a title contender pretty easily. Yeah, uh, agreed there. Two players. So let's let's transition now to the next one, to, to our next topic here. We have a question from the chat. Uh, we have two possible MVP candidates on display in this game, Giannis and Tatum. On the show, we do have a bet on the MVP race. That is Nikola Jokic. Now, injuries aren't great. However, uh, the recent one to Joel Embiid has definitely helped the uh, Nikola Jokic MVP race. But Taylor still wants to know if there's value on Jokic to win the MVP at plus 175 reminder on the show we're holding that plus 270 ticket Jokic is now down to this because Embiid has fallen off after the injury but uh, is there still value on getting Jokic do you think 
Probably not. I think it's pretty fair. I definitely would not bet the MVP until we have a bit more clarity on this Joel knee situation. It's really hard to see. He, I, I think he could play tomorrow. I think he could be announced out for three weeks. Neither of those things would be surprising to me at all. Obviously, it depends. I don't know how how uh, locked into news notifications people in the chat are, but if you see Joel's out for three months or three weeks, run and grab Jokic tickets, Shea tickets, and Giannis. I think it's pretty much a four-person race where Joel and Jokic are pretty clearly the favorites, but Shea and Giannis have legitimate arguments to win. So plus 175, you know, seems around fair. He's around probably a 30, 35% chance of winning. I think Joel even still is probably overpriced in the market just because what what are the odds that Joel plays eight or doesn't, doesn't yeah, miss eight more say, games. He, he might not even make the threshold of games played to even be eligible to win this award. Yeah, I, I think it's probably below 50% Joel's eligible to win this award. But it, this award's a weird one too, because if you read the NBA CBA, which obviously I do because I'm a bit of a sicko, there is like a something he can apply for. It's I actually think I have it up here where... <laughs> It's like a, a extraordinary circumstances application where this is the first year of this rule. So what are extraordinary circumstances? Are being injured an extraordinary circumstance? Or would that only be like if he had something, a personal issue, but as a personal issue, more of an extraordinary circumstance than an injury? Would they vote for Joel if he had played 63 games, but they gave him an extraordinary circumstance exemption so it's all a bit of a weird situation the one thing i do know is joel desperately wants to win this award absolutely the, the only frustrating thing is if Jokic wanted to win this award would be done he joel and Giannis go in and play detroit and they're like oh i'm gonna put up 45 and it'll help my mvp case Jokic says wouldn't it be really funny if i only shot twice against detroit and put up 20 assists and we still win so <laughs> it's just these guys have such a different mentality. Jokic doesn't care at all. But I still think Jokic probably does end up winning. I actually just don't think Joel's going to qualify. I don't think uh, Giannis or Shea are going to win. But plus 175, he's the favorite in the market. So I don't really see a lot of value there. Agreed. Um, might be a bit too far gone uh, on that one. But hey, if Joel Embiid plays tomorrow and it shoots back up, then maybe that's uh, worth another look. But present point... Uh, I, I I agree with where it's at. Okay, let's go to our final piece of discussion here. I want to talk about some trade possibilities around the NBA. We alluded to Siakam earlier. We can discuss some possible destinations. We can also go through any other players you see as a candidate to be traded ahead of the deadline, uh, whether big or small. Uh, we've seen in the past even trades you don't see as massive trades turn out to be championship-winning trades. So uh, who do you have in mind for this one? Yeah, so Pascal, we've talked about a bunch. Yeah. It's it's, it's weird because you said you think he's going to be traded. I actually think it's more likely he's not traded than... Really? Like kind of kind of general... Just because you look around, who is he getting traded to? I would, I would say Indiana makes the most sense. That Halliburton injury maybe puts it a little more into question, but I don't think really matters. It doesn't seem like yeah. too serious of an injury. But 
who else is he getting traded to? Dallas for what? Well, Sacramento can be in the mix. They're they've pulled out for now. It seems it doesn't mean that they can't reinsert themselves. Golden State. I've spoken about this already. Um, like I just think there could be that desperation that slips in to want to make a move. You you, you still so. don't think so at all? I, I uh, well well. Lakeup's been on record saying he doesn't want to be in the second apron. They're really not good at all. Like Golden State at this point is is like there's a price out for tomorrow. They're playing Chicago. They're priced as worse on a neutral court than Chicago right now. That that's, like uh, how could a one. team make and also he's a horrible fit with Draymond. Like they they could do it, but it'll get them nowhere close to a title contention. So I just don't really see it. So. I just don't think there are that many suitors. And the th- whole thing with Sacramento really was a signal that, to me at least, that the what the league is trying to get Pascal Siakam at versus what the Raptors think they should be getting for him, there's a big chasm. I think I think there's a very large difference there. Um, like, it seems, uh, to me, Keegan Murray, you know, no, well, let's say just no picks, not no nothing. But that's like a sensible trade to me for both sides. It would make some sense. But the the value of Pascal Siakam is just not there. So it wouldn't. Oh, I meant, the, the, I meant would be, the, other, the Kings are not trading Keegan Murray. That's what I meant. I think the Raptors no, sorry, would that's do a, that. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying the value of Pascal Siakam around the league. Teams just don't. They seem to know, you know, the Raptors are kind of screwed here. They're going to have to trade him at some point. So... I just don't think anyone's really trying to go all in on a Pascal Siakam trade. And I don't think the Raptors are going to trade, you know, a top three player, top four player in their franchise's history, who's not old and still producing for, you know, Harrison Barnes and some mediocre picks. I just kind of don't see it. So I could see it happening. Like even Jairus Walker, that's his name, right? There's because there's another Walker, Jabari Walker, Jairus Walker Walker. on, on Indiana, like, Seventh overall pick, he Indiana has the worst power forward rotation out of like any competitive team in the league, and this guy can't even sniff minutes. And Indiana's acting like he's untouchable in a Pascal trade. Like the the value of Siakam around the league is just so low that it wouldn't shock me if if no trades were made. And then yeah, like Laurie, uh, to OKC. We've talked about that a bunch. That's kind of my dream trade. I think they'd be so good. It's just such a perfect fit. I but don't know if again, they'll trade him. I think Siakam is more likely to move than than Markin. I actually think Siakam will get traded. I think Masai is just, I think Masai is just ready to pull the trigger on something. Um, that's the demeanor I get out of the last six months or so uh, from the limited media appearances you see. But Markin, I don't know. I could see the Jazz. I don't think they'll look at this run and say, "Hey, let's go try to make the playoffs." But I don't think they're ready to move on just yet from from marketing. I, I mean, I, I, I think agree. as they put peace together, I think Will Hardy is a good coach, and they probably feel like they can keep building this thing and maybe resetting again isn't really where they want to go. But go ahead. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. It doesn't. It just doesn't seem like they're desperate to make a trade, but I think if OKC offered the right amount, Utah would do it. Agreed. Uh, anybody else you had in mind as far as trades are concerned, yeah. big ones around the league? Yeah, so you go through kind of just like these bad teams. I think Tyus Jones is a really interesting fit for a lot of teams. Like Tyus, obviously Boston has a lot of ball handling, but I love Tyus Jones. By the way, he's just an awesome player. Like he's just such 
a, a solid player who will raise bench units to be good in, enough offensively, and he's fine enough defensively. He's just an awesome player. So I think he'd be a great get for for pretty much any contending team. But who the, the weird part about this trade deadline is the contenders have kind of already made their moves, right? Like uh, Boston already traded for Drew. Milwaukee traded for Dame. Phoenix traded for Beal. And Phoenix isn't really a real contender. So the teams that are... Oh, and Clippers traded for Harden. Probably time to start thinking about the Clippers as a contender as well. Just saying. Um, so oh, yeah. it kind of feels like these trades are going to be like a desperate team making a trade versus a, a, a team that's going to like really swing a championship here, unless it's like a lower level trade. Yeah. I uh, just players in particular, I think teams will be looking at like the big teams, like Caruso's got to be on a lot of people's yeah. list. Milwaukee, by the way, he should be on your list because you need would be such a good fit. You need, you need, Even you need some defense, shoot, but like they need defense. Exactly. Um, just yeah, like, like how Gary much Trent. is Bruce worth? Gary Trent, uh, I, I don't see him being very valuable, but I, I, like, oh, the Lakers want to swing. That's a, that's the type of guy they could swing on just to get shooting into that team because they just don't have shooting. Uh, that's another piece that somebody could swing on on an expiring Marcus deal. Smart six week in yeah. today, but wouldn't shock me. Yeah, agreed. Um, there's really no need for him to be on the Grizzlies for the rest of the season. Can they pick up a pick? I mean, man, what they traded. I hated that trade when it happened, but every like all these American media guys were talking about how good of a trade that was for the Grizzly. I'm like, you guys, like, you guys love Marcus Smart too much. But totally he still has value around the league. Um, he's had experience deep in the playoffs. So he I was agree. the most overrated player in the league versus the most underrated player in the league traded for each other. It was a beautiful thing. Uh, Porzingis for for smart oh, Porzingis, um, and the Boston Celtics recognize that because Brad Stevens is very good at his job. Other I mean, players I, around Porzingis the league still might be the most underrated player in the league. Just as an aside, like Porzingis is just ridiculous how good he's been. I feel like the Dallas debacle kind of still is on Porzingis. Like people just don't agree. Really, people don't watch the Wizards. That's what it is. People don't care about the Wizards. That's like, why people he, he was just completely different as a wizard, and he's completely different now. He's so physical, so Agreed. aggressive. He's gonna be awesome in the playoffs. Um, Dejounte Murray as well. Yeah, Dejounte Murray. But like again, do you oh, see man. anybody trading for him? Do you think anybody wants him? Dejounte Murray is like he's just not very good. Honestly, he is, he is he is the so biggest live off reputation him. guy. He just it's he's unbelievable. He's not a, even Actually, a good defender anymore. It's hard to even look around the league and be like, where would DeJounte Murray fit on a playoff team? Like which playoff team would trade for DeJounte Murray? Maybe the Kings put him with Fox, but like, gross. okay, the Fox, sorry, the Kings traded Halliburton. Because they didn't want to play two point yeah. guards. They're not trading True. for fucking DeJounte Murray. But and is DeJounte Murray even a point guard? Like, he's a wing who's an okay shooter and an okay defender who has some dribbling ability. He's not a wing, but I also agree he may not be a point guard, but he's not a shooting guard. He, he can't, he doesn't shoot the ball. Uh, another yeah. team people well, like saying the is the Lakers? Knicks. They, the Knicks just traded quickly because they don't want two nah, guards. They're not yeah. going to trade for DeJounte Murray. Yeah, the Lakers, I, I feel like not... the Lakers could take a swing like for something. Oh, great. Another guy, another guy yeah, who can't like... shoot. Who needs but the yeah, ball exactly. As we talk through all these trades, it's just like, uh, not, these are all deck chair movers. 
Like, yeah, maybe a Tyus Jones trade could be interesting if a t- contender gets Tyus Jones. But like, he's really good. I think he's better than DeJounte Murray. He's really no, good. I, I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm saying, like, t- a guy like Tyus Jones could get traded to a good team. Or Caruso is a good example as well. But, you know, Levine's not going to get traded to a team that's going to win a championship. Pascal's not going to get traded. Laurie's really the only one. Laurie's the one where I would look at the trade and be like, wow, that, that's a season changing move if it's okay see versus all these other guys it's it just feels like death chairs right i uh i kind of have to agree the winning trade out there i think tyus jones think caruso, i think caruso yourself. is a championship winning trade like i think that separates like if caruso gets traded to the bucks i think that's that's one that all of a sudden makes me think of them a lot more seriously for a championship um like I, the, i've the, lost you here i can't hear you you can't hear me? I think you might be on mute. No, I'm not on mute. What? We always have technical difficulties on this podcast. Okay. Um, I think it's on your side. I'll, uh, give me, I'll verify. Give me 30 seconds here. I'll verify. Okay, mine is good. I'm checking um, on YouTube. Mine is good. So I think it's on your, it's on your side. Well, um, no. I hear you. Okay, I'll message him privately. privately. But the, the winning trades... Um, that I have Caruso, I think vaults a team up. I think Tyus Jones can vault a team up. Um, Levine, I kind of agree. Like, how are these big teams going to swing a trade? Um, how are these big teams going to swing a trade for a player like Zach Levine? Um, those are the big problems. Sorry, I'm trying to sort these technical difficulties in the background. Um, so there was a question here I can kind of segue to as um, we'll let Kirk Evans try to, to sort this out. I'll go full screen here. So here's a good question from Matthew discussing. Um, I'll answer this. Maybe Kirk Evans as well can answer this after the fact. So general question, general futures question from Matthew. What kind of edge do you look for if you're going to be locking up money for three to six months? Would say uh, plus 150, you really believe should be plus 10, be worth it. Thanks a lot. So ultimately, Matthew, it comes down to your bankroll. Because I ran the math in the background here. If you think it should be plus 110, that's an implied probability of 47.62. If you think and you see that plus 150, that's a 19, that's a just above a 19% edge, which is a monster edge. Typically, the edge threshold that I look for just standard day-to-day betting, one and a half percent of an edge. Uh, that would be the threshold I would look for for betting. So you have a monster edge here at 19%. So the question comes down to your bankroll. Do you have the liquidity to tie up that money for that period of time? Um, That would be the question. And we'll bring Kirk Evans back in now to maybe help along. But the question here, uh, you can read it as I hopefully the audio issues are sorted. Um, My answer to the question is this is a big edge. This is 19% edge. It comes down to your bankroll and liquidity and if you want to hold that position to three to six months or are you better suited using that money you're going to tie for three to six months can you turn that money into more than you will win on that bet in that time i would say for an edge this significant i'm probably comfortable to hold that position and and play that but what do you think yeah i I would agree with you i think that the edge, like a plus one, if it's true plus 110 and and you're getting plus 150, I'd probably be willing to play that. Um, but yeah, I, I think you were saying this as well. It really just depends on your bankroll. Even, I feel like people think about 
futures in terms of bankroll, but it's also really important like what money you have in which account, like moving money around into accounts can be frustrating and, and take a long time as well. So, you know, if you're zeroing out an account, even if it's not that big for your bankroll, especially if it's a valuable account, that's also definitely something to consider. But it, it really is a tough question, not knowing what your situation is, what your bankroll is. But yeah, like you said, a 19% ROI definitely worth it, worth it. It also depends on how big of an edge you typically have. Like if you're rolling over your money every day and hitting three, 4% ROI on props and sides, then you probably shouldn't be tying up your money, especially if it's a large amount of your bankroll. But if you're more of a recreational better who's looking to win, but doesn't have, you know, concrete edges that you're, you're knocking out every day, then that's just a, a, a whole different consideration. Yeah. Um, well, well explained there. So if there's like a certain, a certain threshold, like if I see something, I'm like, man, I, I have to play this. I mean, if it's like a 5% edge, I, it's tough for me to, to, to turn that away. Um, I find with a lot of futures bets, I wouldn't say I like regret playing them, but I kind of wish I had that, that money back sometime to use it. Like you said, like, you know, switching accounts and stuff like that. But, uh, I, I, I guess the, the math explaining it mathematically, if you have an edge, you should play it. Um, especially one of that significance. So, um, I'd say like, if you want a number, I'd say 5% edge. That's, that's probably the kind of edge I'd be looking for to make a play like that. But, um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's again, more of a personal preference. Yeah. And if you're betting, you know, five leg parlays every day and then you're like, oh, I actually have an edge, then definitely bet it. But well, yeah, if you're then, betting, tie, then <laughs> tie up your money, then tie up your money to stop yourself and just ride that one play. <laughs> I agree. Exactly. Uh, exactly. All right. Uh, we're coming to the end of the show here. Uh, probably our longest show, but that's okay. We've had some great discussions here. Send in some final questions as well if you have any. But we're going to go over to the betting side here and get some free picks from Kirk Evans. What do you have for us today? I've got two plays all in the same game. One's a, a money line. I don't think people are going to like it. And then one's a prop. Um, so we'll can I go... guess the money line? We're not going to like? I can. Oh, yeah, you could guess. Huh? I, I I don't know. Would it be Boston? Because I, you know I don't like Boston or... Because I don't see any others. Uh, like yeah, Por exactly. Portland's no way. Por no way you're gonna play Portland because no way that's high enough. Is it Portland? Okay, Portland. Money Portland. All right, we'll start with that. Um, let's let's say plus uh, six hundred or better. Seems like there's a decent amount around. Uh, there. Uh, are points plus, bet Caesars have it. Yeah, and bet or win. we could say we could play a. Uh, yeah, Caesars, FanDuel, Bet Online, all are better than plus six or plus five ninety. So let's say plus five ninety or better. All right, um, plus five ninety or better. Let's let's hear the reasoning. I I could be off here, but I think that we're not going to get a full strength OKC team tonight. And that's the entirety of the reasoning. Okay, I will not follow up. Um, what? How many units no, would you put? No, no, no inside info. Well, I guess it just depends on what categorizes as inside info. Like, I feel like most people, like no one's told me that these guys aren't playing, but that's my thought. Um, how many units? I'm not very good with units. Uh, I guess half a unit, let's say. 
Okay, so like we usually play to win a hundred on like negative bets. We play to win a hundred on positive bets. We play a hundred to usually win like one twenty, whatever. So in this case, we're gonna you want to play fifty to win three hundred for the show tracking. Okay, perfect. Plus six hundred on the Blazers. How come? Uh, just a question. How come you prefer the money line over uh, the the spread in an instance like this? Yeah, well, I just think that the the highest if it since it's a uh, information bet or or a bet where the odds could swing pretty large you want to take that you know high underdog line even though it feels nicer you, you want to take I'm, a swing you're saying yeah exactly like i i think plus 13 is fine as well i've played um this a lot throughout the day um so yeah i, I just think like typically if you're going for a bet that has a possibility of swinging a lot you want to kind of take maybe slightly less risk for more upside that's an interesting thought for that one. So we'll track that 50 to win 300 or so half a unit. If you play units, I mean, up to you how much you risk. But that's what we're going to do for show tracking. All right. You said you did have another pick and you said it was in the same game. Yeah. So this is a prop. Um, we're going to go to Mani Kamara under 11 and a half PRA. To Mani Kamara under seven and a half, uh, sorry, 11 and a half 11 PRA. 11. Um, yeah. That right now we can get at plus 100 at Caesars. Beautiful. All right. Any uh, any insight behind this yeah. one? Funnily enough, Same I don't think he's going to start. Similar thing. I don't think he's going to start. Chauncey's been talking a lot about new starting lineups. I think it's possible uh, Scoot also doesn't start tonight. But you look at that starting lineup and they've been blown out by like 50 in the last in three of the last four. And Chauncey's talked a lot about uh changing the starting lineup or I, I don't know about a lot but he talked recently about changing the starting lineup and you look at that starting lineup and Tumani kind of sticks out like a sore thumb of of guys who you could pretty easily swap out so i could see it being scoot shaden and anfernee all starting i could also see both of them going to the bench scoot going to the bench and Tumani going to the bench maybe start uh shaden and matisse thibault but uh We'll see what happens. Yeah, I was going to say, out of slight curiosity, not in any way criticism, do you feel as though there's a slight amount of maybe negative correlation if the OKC Thunder are resting guys? And Oh, like, no. No, I you don't? don't? So. I, thought, okay. I thought you were going to say, like, why the hell are you saying this after ripping on that guy for Mikhail Bridges? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not what I was going to say. I, I was just I was curious because if in theory, if the Thunder are playing a worse team, he's more likely to have a better game. Uh, but you think oh, that... Oh, I see what you're saying. No, I I, I just... Well, if you're betting this uh, and you have, like, a, an account that lets you cash out, I would actually say this for both ca- uh, bets because I imagine people in the We don't know what chat, order this is going to be in. Yeah, no, no. I'm just saying, like, if you see the starting lineup and Tumani's in it, I eh, I still probably think it's a decent bet, but I'd be happy to cash out. And same thing with OKC, like, take advantage of of sites that allow for cash outs like if you see okc's playing everyone i think plus 700 is probably like a couple negative percent ev obviously i think if okc's not playing everyone then it's gonna shoot up into the plus 10 percent, 20 percent ev so that's why we play these things um but yeah if you're playing like i know score bet or espn bet has full cash outs i think dk does as well so I wouldn't hate taking a slightly worse price if you know you could get a full cash out and then just waiting for the news and cashing it out. 
Okay. So some good insight into betting, maybe strategy as well for bets in the future to have an option like that. But two bets for today as we look to as we look to recap what we have. Uh, we have uh, Kamara under 11.5 points, rebounds, and assists, plus 100 at Caesars. We're going to take the Blazers plus 600 in the game for half a unit. Uh, I actually tracked this half unit. I'll switch that. But the other plays still that we have, Thunder to make the playoffs. No, that's not looking Grade that as a loss. Um, the th- but Jokic to an MVP. We look to be holding a really Favorite. good position. Uh, by the way, from two shows ago, I-, I hate to do this to remind you of this, but we lost two gnarly ones. DeRozan got a, a just that. junk rebound super late in this game to get him five rebounds to go over four and a half. Uh, to be fair, Porzingis, yeah, he went over two and he had three threes. We had the two and a half line. He hit three pretty early, but that DeRozan one yes. made me Look sick. At this. Look at that. Yeah, it's been, it's been a tough run on this show, I got to say. Jesus. That's um, horrible. You got uh, hook, a nasty hook on Conley, the Kobe White under. I, I feel like every time one of the shows this channel is a Kobe White under, he blasts it. Um, the John Morant <laughs> under assist was the winner, but uh, we, uh, we're hoping for Hey, this is the big fish today. The big fish. Lieutenant, uh, you no, get it all back. We're turning we're down, around. We're, turning. we're down 300 in the last month. Portland oh win. We're back to we're back in the black, pretty much. That's what we're looking for. We turn it around today. Let's do it. All right, it's been Let's a super it. long show, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, really appreciate and um, thank you so much. Make sure to hit that like button if you enjoyed. Subscribe to the channel for more NBA content like this. Me and Pips are live tomorrow, nine forty-five a.m. Eastern time. We hope to see you there. Keep it locked with the board, and we will see you again next time. 